right. Welcome, welcome. Friday, June 16th here on the Damon Bruce Show. Welcome back to Damon Bruce Plus. And oh my gosh, thank you so much to everyone who came out to Brentwood to see me yesterday at Ike's. A whole bunch of you showed up. And I don't want to leave anyone's name out, so I'm not even going to name the names. But thank you if you were there yesterday. An awful lot of people whose names you see in that chat right now were there yesterday. It meant so much to me that you came on out and you said hello. It meant an awful lot to Ike as well, taking care of me, taking care of our sponsors, taking care of our friend at Uncle Boys who was there as well. And let me tell you, since we gave so much love to Uncle Boys and Ike's yesterday, I believe today we've earned a little bottle pull on a Friday, if you don't mind me saying. We'll get to all that later. How about the fact that we have a Friday of NBA news explosion. I mean, it is crazy what I woke up just reading this morning. Stories left and right coming from the NBA. And it would be easy for a lot of people to say this is like a Friday news dump. Now, in order to be a a Friday news dump, you actually have to be coming in with your news post 5 p.m. East Coast time. Like that to me is the real rule of a Friday news dump. This is a huge NBA news day on a Friday and Friday morning. Uh, We start locally. We'll work nationally. We'll circle back around to all of it. But again, thanks to all of you who circled me yesterday. You made me feel so special, and I really, really appreciate it. I know Ike did. Again, Uncle Boy's. My friends at Blackened, uh, special bottle dropped off last night. I found a little something from Charles outside my door this morning, and we'll get to that next week because it's too special to even share with you right now. Limited release stuff. Ooh, there's an embargo on the information. There's an embargo on a lot of information, but boy, there is no embargo on the information that Mike Dunleavy Jr. has been named the next general manager of the Golden State Warriors. It is official. And look... He might be great at this. He might be a puppet for the front office and ownership. And I believe that the truth will be somewhere in the middle of both of those extremes. And you should probably start thinking that that is more of a reality than him just being Joe Lacob's lapdog or the next single greatest general manager in NBA history. I don't think... Either of those things are the right way to describe the Mike Dunleavy Jr. experience that Warriors fans are about to get. I wrote down what I liked and what the concerns are. Here's what I like about Mike Dunleavy Jr., and I think that you need to like this too. It's continuity. He knows the team. He knows the players. All the chess pieces on the board know him as well. He's been ever-present the last six seasons with the Golden State Warriors, moving quickly from scout to assistant general manager to president of basketball operations, working hand-in-hand and usually sitting so close to Um, to Bob Myers at games, they could have held hands. I mean, the two of them had been working in lockstep for quite a long time. So uh, uh, continuity is one of the biggest missing ingredients from professional sports, in my opinion. This keeps a level of continuity. The man had a 15-year-long NBA career, which I think matters to players. I do think players care about people who can directly relate to them 
and their careers. And to be totally honest, Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s career as a player saw the heights of being drafted number three overall to the depths of, oh, no, you're a Golden State warrior to, you know, you never really caught on as the player you were drafted to be. So the era or or air, I should say, of disappointment was always how he was framed. Like Dunleavy has seen it all. He's seen the good times. He's seen the bad times. And I think that that's a valuable thing to other NBA players as they consider the situations that they want to put their careers in the hands of. You know, who, who does does the person managing my career now relate to me in a certain way. And I think that Mike Dunleavy will relate to players. He's seen it all. He's a basketball lifer, having been brought up in an NBA family. I think that there is cachet to that. I really do. He, as just someone who has, has met Mike Dunleavy Jr., I can tell you, for a guy who used to tease Mike Dunleavy Jr., along with Troy Murphy at the same time, where we invented the Dunmurphy sisters all those years ago, <laughs> um, he's personable, he's friendly. And has a lot of qualities of someone that I think you'd want to work with on a daily basis. And you could roll your eyes and say, well, Damon, what are the, you know, the general manager shouldn't be based on friendliness. I think when you're stepping into Bob Myers' shoes, it does matter. How you relate to people, how you relate to players, how you relate to big executives, to game night employees and staff, it all matters. And that's what Bob was really good at. I think that Mike Dunleavy Jr. will be good at that stuff too. The details of interpersonal relationships are easy to dismiss, but it's not a dismissible trait. It shouldn't be. How you treat people, how you talk to people, how you communicate with people matters. And I think Dunleavy is going to be good at that. Now, when it comes to evaluating basketball talent and who to draft and what trades to make and actually negotiating around a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a restrictive luxury tax and the cap and rules that have been made to punitively punish the Warriors for their own success and desire to retain the players that they drafted. How good is he at the mechanics of all of it, the bean counting, if you will, of being a general manager? Well, we're about to find out. So that is one of I think a legit concern even the biggest Mike Dunleavy Jr. fan in the world would have to have coming into this. But the biggest concern, and one that has been talked about before he was even named in the job, it's something that Larry Kruger and I have talked about when we've been doing our home and homes together, is that Mike Dunleavy Jr. is going to be nothing more than a front for Joe and Kirk Lacob to be the real general managers of the franchise. And that's a legit concern. And if it is a concern of yours and you want to say this is a whopper, 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 uh, if this is a whopper of a concern of yours, it's it's well-founded, but I will tell you, if you really think that that is who Joe and Kirk Lacob are, what's the answer that would have prevented them from acting like that? Who is the hire they could have made that would have prevented the both of them, father and son Lacob, from being meddlesome, if that's what you want to call it. Who is going to prevent that from happening? Because I can tell you right now, they could have hired Sam Presti. 
right? They could have hired Sam Presti. And if any of you think that Sam Presti would have actually had any veto power over La Familia Lacob, you're out of your mind. You're really out of your mind. There's nobody. The Masai Ujiri, there's no, there's no general manager. If you really think that left to their own devices, Joe Lacob and Kirk Lacob are going to be meddlesome to the point that the general manager has very little voice in any of this, who the hell could they have hired that would have alleviated that concern if it's really a concern of yours? To me, if that is who Joe Lacob and Kirk Lacob prove themselves to be, that is an uncorrectable trait. Who could the Dallas Cowboys have hired as a general manager to have prevented Jerry Jones from acting or being Jerry Jones? It, you, there is no hire that can do that. There's no one that can tell a billionaire who owns and runs the entire operation, uh-uh, buddy, we're going to do it my way. So there is zero hire that could have been made that would ever have prevented Joe and Kirk Lacob from being meddlesome if that is really what they're about to be. So as much of you have that whopper of a concern, I'm going to tell you there really was no answer to alleviate that concern if that's what you think Lacob, Team Lacob is all about. I think that they clearly want to be involved up to the point of meddlesome. We're about to find out, I guess. But I think that they want to be involved. But I don't think Joe Lacob is arrogant enough, and the man can come across as arrogant, but he's not arrogant enough to think that he's got all the right answers. I just don't think that's who he is. If he was that arrogant and that bad at running businesses, how come the business that he has chosen to run has become the most successful business in the sport? And for those who want to say that it, it all just goes back to Steph Curry, in a way you're right, but in a way you're also wrong. Because Steph Curry is obviously the latter that has helped the Warriors climb to the status that they now enjoy. But that ladder could have been pulled out from Steph Curry in a number of ways by poor ownership, poor support, meddlesome ownership, and it hasn't really happened yet, right? Well, I don't like the James Wiseman draft pick. Well, that's a draft pick that a lot of general managers would have made at the time it was presented. You know, you didn't learn that it didn't fit after you tried to make it fit. And we'll see what happens with Jonathan Kaminga and all the possible trades. I heard that Bradley Beal has been given permission by the Washington Wizards to seek a trade. And a lot of Warriors fans think that there could be a little something there, there between the Warriors and maybe Bradley Beal in this draft. We'll see what happens. I'm really not expecting anything major to happen. I don't think Kaminga, I don't think Poole, I don't think a trade for Bradley Beal is about to happen. I don't think the Warriors are going to trade up into the lottery. I think the Warriors are going to pick at 19. That's what I think is about to happen. That's what I think is going to happen. And who that pick is, we'll all find out next week. By the way, we got a great week 
set up. I've already been texting some friends, and I can tell you right now that I do believe Marcus Thompson is going to be joining me here on Damon Bruce Plus next week and our buddy Nick Friedel as we get ready for the NBA draft, which is Thursday next week. I'm looking forward to it. I really, really am. I hope you are too. The other big story in the NBA today is John Morant getting 25 games for buffoonery. This is a buffoonery suspension. That's what's going on here. He suspended the first 25 games the next season, and he's suspended because he can't stop pulling guns out on Instagram. That's it. That's it. That's what got him suspended. Pulling out guns to look cool on Instagram, which I think absolutely qualifies him for the crown of easily avoidable, galactically stupid NBA suspensions. I know this isn't an argument that the league would want put forward, but let's say who else would maybe qualify for that crown? Gilbert Arenas bringing actual guns into an NBA locker room. Not that this is something that you'd ever want to argue as a merit, but at least Gilbert's guns were real, and everyone's saying that the second gun that Ja pulled out might have been a toy. <laughs> like, It's insane. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. This is straight buffoonery, and John Morant says, and I'm going to read right here off of his uh, official, oh, I'm sorry, again, quote, um, I'm spending the offseason and my suspension continuing to work on my own mental health and decision-making. Ja, you don't have a mental health problem. You don't. This is not a mental health issue. This is a trying-to-look-cool issue, which isn't a mental health issue, or your entire generation has is, is got a mental health problem. This is you bullshit stunting for clout on Instagram. This is the equivalent of John Morant. If John Morant were a girl, this is him taking, what, pushed-together booby cleavage pictures to try to get likes and seem super cool on Instagram. This is child shit. And it, maybe it is me being of a certain age where, thank God I didn't grow up in the my entire life is on the Internet era, and maybe they're wired, kids are, uh, younger men and women are than I am, because I didn't think in my entire life, hey, every single action that I'm doing needs to be shared with everyone at all times. Like, discretion was a virtue to my generation. Privacy is something that was kind of nice. We sort of liked it. There's an elimination of privacy generationally that I just I can't even compute with. I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Adam Silver says the potential for other young people to emulate Jaws conduct is particularly concerning. Under these circumstances, we believe a suspension of 25 games is appropriate and makes it clear that engaging in reckless and irresponsible behavior with guns will not be tolerated. Sure. Sure, but let's run that through the old truth machine, shall we? Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. What Adam Silver is really saying here is behavior like this is bad for business, and we don't need a player who had the potential to qualify for face of the league now be qualifying for if a racist were drawing up a stereotype of a young black man. That's what Adam Silver is saying. Adam Silver... 
maybe there's a part of him that is really concerned for the kids. Believe me, that part is so drowned out by his concern for business that might be able to be done around the league and the Memphis Grizzlies. That is the concern here. Ja, you're becoming bad for business. You're becoming bad for business. And the business that is being hurt the most right now is the business of Ja Morant. Bobby Marks from ESPN said the 25-game suspension for John Morant's going to cost him $7.6 million. $304,545 for every game John Morant misses entering year one of his $194 million rookie max extension that he signed last July. You sign that extension, and then you get into the business of pulling out guns at strip clubs and then again in a car ride on Instagram when you've already been suspended eight games for doing it. Come on, man. Come on. Straight up studio gangster stuff. The only thing John Morant shoots is basketballs. Let's be honest. Quit acting like you're tough. Quit acting like you are in a gang because you like rap. I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid. It's just so stupid. It's like, you got to think you're cool that way too? Like being one of the most electric, exciting basketball players in the world isn't enough to make you feel good about your own cool quotient? I, it's just insane to me. It's insane. What the hell are we doing? What the hell are we doing? So, again, I want to thank my sponsors. We did an awful lot of loving and thanking our sponsors yesterday, but my man Ike right here, and by the way, we're back to cardboard cutout, Ike. This one's not about to come to life at any point in time. Uh, too bad, because I loved hanging out yesterday with Ike. We went over to Uncle Boy's. We had lunch. We had burgers. We had onion rings. Dude, the lumpia. Next time you're at Uncle Boy's, order the lumpia. I'm telling you, it was freaking fantastic. If they decided we're not even making burgers anymore, we're going to be a lumpia shop and call ourselves Uncle Lumpia, they could do that. The burgers are fantastic. The lumpia is great. I love their onion rings. Ike did a full review on his own Instagram yesterday, and he loved everything he ate. It is good. Go get yourself lunch. Grab it at Uncle Boy's. Pick it up today, this weekend. You'll be happy that you did. Again, if you were with us yesterday at Ike's for the soft grand opening, awesome. His new store in Brentwood is going through its grand opening today. You can go back up there or get there for the first time today and meet Ike. I think he's going to be hanging out up there all day today and again it was wonderful to meet so many of you yesterday thank you for coming out you made me feel like the prettiest girl in high school you really did so thank you very very much i felt beautiful yesterday <laughs> um and uh, you know what if i'm not beautiful enough go ahead this will make me beautiful ah whoo Bottle Pull Friday. What is this, week 10 here on the Plus? A little something to celebrate. Blackened. Blackened whiskey. It's good on the rocks. It's good in cocktails. It's good straight out of the bottle. Yummy, yummy. We didn't do a Club Plus yesterday, so I feel like I could just put this on my shoulder right here for the show. Make it right. There we go.
But thank you so much. My sponsors are awesome. My listeners, who are quickly becoming my friends, are awesome. And it, we, we really got a little community here that is going from little community to this is actually like we can stop using the word little. It grows. It grows. And I am so thankful. Jillian is so thankful. Uh, unfortunately, she couldn't join us up there yesterday, but we will be doing our own event soon. Can't tell you where right now, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen probably mid to late August, and we're looking forward to seeing you there if you weren't able to get up to Brentwood yesterday. The other big piece of NBA news today is that Michael Jordan is selling the Hornets. Jordan bought the team in 2010 when the team was valued at $275 million, and here he is just 13 years later agreeing to sell the team for a figure that will be north of $2 billion. I've even seen it reported as $3 billion. Good Lord. I mean, good, the Charlotte Hornets are worth $3 billion? To even $2 billion. What an investment. I mean, seriously, Michael Jordan has just made the third legit fortune of his life. First being as a player, second being as Jordan Brand, and third, this right here, selling the Charlotte used-to-be Bobcats, now Hornets. The Hornets have the number two pick in the draft next week, so it's a big week for news in Charlotte. Uh, Gabe Plotkin and Hawks minority owner Rich Schnall, Chanel, do I have that name right? I might have wrote that down wrong. Uh, but they're throwing down the credit cards for the purchase. In said purchase, uh, eliminates what I believe to be the only black owner in all North American professional sports. Maybe I have that wrong, but I think the number has gone from one to zero in this transaction. So that's not a good look. Uh, LeBron James, you're definitely going to get a team in Vegas one day. I, think, I really do. I think that that's going to be yours one day. Um, it's, it's a staggering, staggering figure what the Charlotte Hornets are worth. And uh, all I can tell you is Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan is, is a god walking among us if you are an NBA fan. he As a player, he was the closest thing to an all-around perfect basketball player is the NBA's really ever seen. Like I said, this is the third legit fortune of his life, and ownership, to own anything, is an investment. And the investment was a smashing success for Michael Jordan. If ownership is an investment, his time as the owner of the Charlotte NBA franchise has gone from what he spent 200 something million dollars to 2 billion dollars. That is a smashing amount of success for an investment. But as an actual what did your team do while you owned them? I think that there is an argument to be made that Michael Jordan was a better outfielder for the Birmingham Barons than he was an owner of an NBA team. I'm dead serious. Like, go and look at his numbers as a, as a minor leaguer. Compared to what a normal human would do just put into that role, he was pretty damn good. He wasn't good enough to be a, a baseball player, but he was good for a guy masquerading as a baseball player who had no business really being a baseball player. 
Um, Michael, if we're being completely honest about Michael Jordan, he really hasn't done shit since he's been a Chicago Bull. There you go. There, there, there you go. That's the truth. The truth is Michael Jordan as a Chicago Bull was unbelievable. He really hasn't done much since. He wasn't a very good Washington Wizard. He wasn't a very good baseball player. He wasn't a very good owner. As a brand, he's crushing it. But really, since Michael left Chicago, not much has happened. He's made a lot of money. But was he really successful in anything other than making money? I don't know. Uh, should be a very interesting weekend for the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are at the Dodgers. They're going with Bribia to open the game tonight. And the Dodgers have Emmett Sheehan. You know Emmett Sheehan, don't you? No, of course you don't, because tonight he's making his major league debut. And he is starting against the Giants. He's the organization's 13th ranked prospect per MLB pipeline. And I can tell you, historically, the Giants have always struggled against elite or unfamiliar pitching. This is obviously unfamiliar pitching. Not a single at-bat has been had against them by anybody in the lineup. So uh, let's see how this one goes. But this is a big series, maybe the biggest series of the year to date for the Giants, who come in on a bit of a heater. They really do. They've won four in a row to climb four games over 500. They're just two and a half back of the Dodgers for second place in the division. So big weekend of baseball coming up for the San Francisco Giants. And it's nice when you talk about the Giants, you're just talking about baseball. And unfortunately, on the other side of the bay, there's nothing even remotely possible just to have a baseball conversation about the A's. Uh, the A's have the Phillies in town this weekend, so we'll see what, what happens there. But Casey Pratt, who has done a great job over at ABC7 covering this story, he tweeted last night, that Fisher answered zero questions. Cavill dodged direct questions. They buried Oakland. They rushed through the Nevada, Nevada legislature and still got a deal. They offered no legit studies, a fake poll, and some bunk AI renderings. What's worse, the people in Nevada don't even want the A's. You nailed it there, Casey. They don't even want them. Vegas doesn't even want them. The people do not want them. The people who might be the fans who everyone is saying needs to show up at about 95% capacity every night for this thing to actually work economically, and even that's probably a lie, um, they're not even interested. Vegas isn't even interested in them. Rob Manfred Oh, is he a special kind of a-hole all of a sudden? Rob Manfred has done all he can to besmirch A's fans, the city of Oakland, and he's straight up lying in his press conferences about Oakland's failed efforts to sit at the negotiating table with John Fisher, who again never showed up to sit down at a table not once. He's sending emissaries and diplomats and Dave Cavill at empty suit to try to get things done. What the hell's what are you, you going to do with that? How do you negotiate with that? Rob Manfred said yesterday, he's disgusting. John Fisher is disgusting. Uh, uh, Rob Manfred said about the reverse boycott game. And I've always said, I wish sarcasm could have a font that you could type in. Uh, this man used inflection in his voice as sarcastically as possible to 
talk about the A's reverse boycott and say, I mean, it was great. It was great to see what is this year's almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Fuck you, Rob. Seriously. You son of a bitch. You, you, you want to be impressed by it? Go ahead and look at what the uh, percentage of attendance normally they have and what they got on that one night where fans decided, you know, we're going to show up even though this is an abusive relationship. We're showing up to get slapped in the face, but we're going to do it anyways. This guy is just, he's awful. He's absolutely awful. And you know what? To me, what I wish could happen, here's what I wish could actually be orchestrated by all fans across every single fan in baseball should be so offended by that statement not just A's fans but fans should be so offended by that the only way to fix this situation comes from science fiction but how awesome would it be how awesome would it be if we could in retaliation to you know John or uh, uh, Rob Manford not being impressed by what he says is the average major league baseball crowd how great would it be to just cut out what he thinks is an average major league baseball crowd and have a month long fan boycott of every single major league baseball team don't buy a ticket don't watch games don't listen on the radio just putting baseball down for a month there you go here's your average attendance right here i wish that that could happen I wish that fans would all agree to do that. Do you think you'd get the attention of a bunch of billionaires if that were to happen? If you were to screw with all of their wallets at once? Rob Manfred should resign. He's an absolute disgrace of a commissioner. He actually makes Bud Selig look like he was good at the job. Andrew Baggerly. You know, who is not someone who throws spears around at people. Andrew Baggerly is a very smart, very reasonable baseball writer. And he said about Rob Manfred, and I quote from Baggerly, he's shown contempt for players with bad faith negotiating. He's shown contempt for the game itself by calling the World Series trophy a hunk of metal. But one group a commissioner can never address with sneering contempt is the fans, and he just crossed that line. He did. He did. Again, I don't ever want to hear another word. If Major League Baseball is going to abandon the city of Oakland, I don't ever want to see you pretend that Jackie Robinson Day matters again. I don't ever want to hear another uh, uh, opining, uh, opining uh, uh, attempt to increase diversity in the game. If you are leaving Oakland, you're saying essentially, screw you, diversity there is no div more diverse market or crowd than in oakland and if you're willing to take a team away from that don't try to sell me on your diversity bullshit ever again i'm not going to buy it and neither should you neither should again let, let me reiterate baseball couldn't give a shit about black people queers pride nothing there is no element of minority. Well, here we are. It's Latino Appreciation Night. It's Dominican Appreciation Night. It's whatever Appreciation Night. Here's the only thing baseball appreciates. Money. That's it. That's it. They've tipped their hand decade after decade after decade, and they turn around, and they try to sell you a bullshit bumper sticker that says, oh, no, we really care. 
We really care. You know, stand up for cancer. They don't give a shit about who dies of cancer as long as you show up, buy a ticket. Now stand up for cancer. <laughs> no one cares. They don't care about anything but their own profit margins. So if you take away those, maybe we'd be we'd, we'd have their full attention. But outside of that, there is nothing we can do. Literally hopeless. It's hopeless. It's a hopeless situation. So if you can compartmentalize how things in the world really work against your fandom, I guess you can still be a fan. But I just it's it's harder to like sports the closer you get to it. It really is. Uh, I saw my friend Darren Smith, who's down in San Diego, and with the relocation of the Chargers to Los Angeles, has been through this before and has seen an owner turn its back on a town, his back on a town, and and this is a very um, personal feeling that Darren Smith has. And uh, I was on his show last week, this earlier this week, I guess I should say, to talk about the A's leaving. And to, to him, it just rings an awful lot of memories from the Chargers leaving. And so he's been talking about this an awful lot. And there's a lot of sympathy in Southern California for this issue that Oakland's going through right now. Got a little space heater over here that's cranking way too much heat out. I got to calm that bad boy down. But Darren Smith shared something, and he tagged me on it. Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell, nearly 30 years ago, was calling the owners out on their bullshit. And I just want to read this from Howard Cosell. Cosell made it clear that these moves were not due to dire financial situations. Teams were profitable, but owners wanted more. Quote, what interests me is the human dimension of this story, how the spirit of countless people is dashed in their loyalty, subverted by wealthy owners who skip town to become even wealthier, and how the mere threat of franchise removal continues to bring great cities to their knees as they scramble to mollify owners with new stadiums and other expensive prerequisites. prerequisites and maintain their big league image. Cosell went on to say, in almost every case, it's the fans who get ripped off. Either they lose their home team to another city or they end up paying additional taxes to keep an owner in limousines and Acapulco vacations. I guess Acapulco was the place to go about 30 years ago. I remember my parents went to Acapulco. Howard Cosell had it 30 years ago. The only thing that is different is it's gone from millions to billions. And these owners continue to be more and more detestable because the owners have over a generation turned from someone who might have earned it into a spoiled, snot-nosed brat of a kid who inherited it. So... It is, it's gross. It really is. What I'd like to see happen is, and there is precedent for this. I don't know if the A's would have qualified for this precedent because they actually moved to Oakland after being in two other markets before they even got to Oakland. But what I would like to see done is the city of Oakland bringing a lawsuit against John Fisher and Major League Baseball to keep the team's history, colors, and names in Oakland. 
Like the city of Cleveland said, no, 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 no. You want to move the Browns to Baltimore? That's fine. But you can't take the Browns history with you and you can't take the Browns colors or even the name with you. You got to go be the Ravens. I would love to see Oakland be able to retain the A's name, colors, and history. So what you really get, Vegas, is a fake expansion team. I would love that if that could possibly happen. And if the A's really do leave, the city of Oakland should do that just to motherfuck John Fisher on the way out the door. Even Bryce Harper, who is a son of Las Vegas, even Bryce Harper doesn't want the A's in Vegas. He says he feels for A's fans. He said that the city of Las Vegas would be better off with their own expansion team. And that's what we've been saying all along. We're about to get to Club Plus, but real quick, I got to share with you what Shohei Otani has done In just his last four games, he's had maybe one of the single greatest series any player has ever had in the history of Major League Baseball. Through Friday, Otani is now tied for the Major League lead in home runs while also being tied for third in strikeouts as a pitcher. This is the single greatest baseball player of all time. We're watching him in real time, and I don't need to see any more to tell you right now definitively. He's the greatest player in the history of Major League Baseball. If his career ended today, he ends as the greatest player in the history of Major League Baseball. He is greater than Ruth. He is greater than Mantle. He is greater than Gehrig. He is greater than Willie Mays. He is greater than all of them. Jackie Ra, all of them. All of them. None of them can hold a candle to this guy. He's the greatest baseball talent in the history of the sport of baseball. Full stop. End of discussion. Damon, I want to debate you about that. I'm not here to debate you about it. I'm telling you you're wrong. Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player of all time, and he just completed one of the greatest series that any player has ever had. It was Angels and the Rangers in a four-game series. He hit four home runs in the series and was the winning pitcher in one of the games. He hit a 450-foot opposite field home run and then a 460-foot opposite field home run with an exit velocity that was a mere 116.1 miles per hour, which is the hardest hit opposite field home run by a left-handed batter ever measured. Shohei Otani is hitting 301 against pitchers, and the league, when he is a pitcher, is hitting 178 against him. Sarah Langs points out, last year Shohei Otani became the first player to finish top 15 in baseball, in both home runs and pitching strikeouts in a season. Since the mound was moved back to its current distance in 1893. Currently, Shohei Otani is top three in baseball in each category. He is tied for first in home runs hit and third in strikeouts recorded as a pitcher. 
There hasn't ever been a player as talented as this in the history of Major League Baseball, with all due respect to all the greats that came before him. You know, but Willie Mays was the most perfect five tool player you've ever seen. Okay, what was his ERA? Well, they didn't allow players to do what Shohei Otani's doing back then. He couldn't have done it. He wasn't a pitcher. Even if they had allowed him to do it, he wouldn't have done it like this. Come on. Well, what about Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth never did it at the same time like this. And he certainly never did it in a league where you're facing eighth inning relievers who throw 99 mile an hour cheese with 18 inch break on their off speed stuff. Like it's insane. The talent of pitchers and Shohei Otani just crushes all of them. And then when he takes the ball and he goes to the mound, basically nobody can hit him. It's insane. He is unbelievable. And as I said, so are you. If you came out to Brentwood to see me at Ike's yesterday, I thank you so very much. If not, hopefully we do get to meet very soon. What a cool community we have built here. And I, I, I've only put a flag up. It's up to you to respond to it. Thank you for all the response. It means an awful lot to me and Jillian. And thank you. We dearly, dearly thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be dropping some fun videos over the weekend on YouTube. So hopefully you check me out there. If you're watching on YouTube, we're about to get into Club Plus. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so very much. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, He's gone.